You're tuned to Brogzilla Radio. You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Welcome to this episode of Tabletop Genesis, the podcast that talks about Genesis all the time. (laughs) So let's introduce the tabletop. I am Mike Lord. I am Elisa Nottinger. I'm Simon Godfrey. I'm Stacy, daughter of White Fang. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I am Tom Roche, first cousin once removed of White Fang. Oh, I didn't know you guys were related. That's we good. Are. So, uh, Simon, we are going to jump into the Wikipedia entry, yes, and you are yeah. a Wikipedian. I have it here. Yes, um, Trespass is the second studio album by Genesis and was recorded and released in 1970. Their last with guitarist Anthony Phillips, Trespass had a folk-flavoured progressive rock sound, that was a marked departure from their earlier work. The album served as the band's debut in the United States. I didn't know this. Uh, From Genesis to Revelation was not initially released there. Uh, The compositions were generally longer and more complex than those on on Genesis's first album, and the recordings have a muted pastoral sound. The band was unhappy with John Mayhew's drumming skills and replaced him with Phil Collins following Anthony Phillips' departure. Trespass was the first of several Genesis albums to be recorded at London's Trident Studios. Although the album was not a commercial success in the UK, it reached number 98 for one week in 1984. (laughs) Really? In 1984? However, the album fared better in Belgium where it reached number one, leading to the band's first overseas concert in that country in March of 1971. This was a number one album in Belgium? It was indeed, yes. Oh, all right. So Well was, done, all yeah. of those in Belgium. How, I wonder how many you have to sell in Belgium to be number one. Oh, uh, well, you know, probably more than two, less than ten million. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so you got it with an order of waffles every time you order waffles. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you get a copy of Trespass. Excellent. So with that being said, and I call this the, the first real album by Genesis, because even the band themselves kind of look at this as their first album the first one from genesis to revelation which i'm sure we'll talk about on a future podcast was something that was done while they were almost still school kids with jonathan king kind of in the driver's seat for that and so it was it's definitely an interesting album and there's good songs on there um better than i think the band themselves give it credit for at times Mm -hmm. but but this is really you know when people think about genesis and the genesis that you know, people know and love through the 70s, 80s, 90s to the present day, this is the album that people think about. And so with that, we'll talk about the songs. So we start with Looking for Someone. Looking for someone I guess I'm doing that Trying to find the memory in a dark room Dirty man, you're looking like a Buddha, I know you well Yeah Keep on a straight line I don't believe I can Trying to find a needle in a haystack 
Looking for someone, and this is a this is a great song. Um, it's very, I think it's very well written. It's interesting, mm -hmm. um, but I have to admit, it doesn't really move me that much. And I, I can say that for most of this album as a whole, um, this sounds more like they're giving a book report versus writing a book. <laughs> All right, okay. If you get my drift, sure. like it's. You could tell they're very young mm -hmm. from the lyrics and the subject matter they're dealing with in this song. And How again, old were they from uh, 20, 20. It was, they were They were 19 and 20 at this point. Right. So, so very young, very green. Right. Um, but even though it seems, you know, they're, they got their heads down and they're writing a song. You could tell they're all about the songwriting. Yeah. Um, they're all about what note goes where and when. And that's what I get from the song. It's very script i don't know i want to say scripted but just kind of goes along um without that kind of motion that we associate i at least associate a lot with the later 70s material and right. even into the 80s and 90s um that's really that genesis sound yeah. but this is where they get their start and you can hear the confidence in this song there's so many like changes going on mm -hmm. and gabriel i think is being very creative with his vocal style in this in this track so they're just balls to the wall. Like we're we're here. We're young. This is new. We're gonna do it. And that's what I love about the song: the confidence they have. And I just yeah, I think it's a it's a really good song. But again, it doesn't kind of grab me the way maybe some of the other songs on this album sure. do. And you know, really in an emotive way, move me uh, as even their later albums do. Well, I think I feel the same way. That like when I listen to this album, which is probably on my Genesis rotation of albums, it's not the standard I would go to, but when I do listen to it, I'm like, oh, that's a great song. That's a really great song. Or I love this bit in that song. But in terms of like an emotional connection that you have to, let's say, Supper's Ready or Firth of Fifth or, or even the later tracks, it's not kind of there. Like, you, I haven't made that connection that I have with other songs. And I think... They are trying things out. They are very confident because I think what they had done with this album, which I had read through interviews and stuff, is that they had performed a lot of this stuff live before. They just went into the studios with this and recorded it as they played it live previously in shows. It wasn't a lot of back and forth of, let's try this, let's try this. It's like, here's how we did it live. Let's record it. Let's put this it down our record. This is song. Let's just do it. Right, exactly. And I think Gabriel, who wanted to test the waters in different genres sings very soulfully on the opening lyrics and i think he was doing that kind of purposely because he had been told you you have to choose this genre or this genre to sing in mm -hmm. and he's like no i can't we mix them all together so he's in a little you know soulful looking for someone you know it is actually a very bluesy kind bluesy, of intro yeah. actually right. it's quite beautiful and i really like the lyrics um and it kind of moves moves me and like Stacy or you know <laughs> uh, but no I really like it I, I think it was one of the first Genesis songs that I heard so I had a cassette with songs from different eras mm -hmm. and this song caught my attention by you know the the spirit where like Gabriel sings his heart out he's they are starting they're really young you know they are sort of still developing the Genesis prog sound they are sort of still learning yeah this song for me definitely 
you know, I view it almost as a dry run for Dancing with the Moonlit Night. And maybe it's just because of the similar intros of having that, you know, vocal without music kind of starting off the song. But it do, it goes along, you know, the first couple minutes are great. It lets me down at the end where it doesn't really kind of end in a way that kind of reflects the potential of the beginning of the song. Very strong opening verse or two in there. Uh, if you can really even talk about these songs having verse chorus structures, they're a little bit kind of all over the map in that way. But for me, it didn't really... When I, on this re-listen, getting ready for this podcast, I noticed yeah that the ending really didn't do it for me. Um, there's certain vocals and certain parts of Gabriel singing who had he had his Gabriel voice from early on. It was amazing how much he was able to put that out and that voice that he still has today in a lot of ways. Very different, but it's still you know he can turn that on when he needs to. So I think it's a it's a good song. It could have been a great song had they written it two or three years later and maybe they did with Dancing with the Moonlit Nights. Yes, so. yes. I, I love looking for someone as the opener yeah. because it, how many albums do you just start and somebody's yelling at you? <laughs> right. I love it. Yeah. He's like, you know, this, and, and again, it speaks to that, that, that young idealistic enthusiasm and confidence mm -hmm. that is throughout this album sure. and that is their statement and we've said it in previous podcasts they like to start with a statement <clears throat> yes. they want to hit you over the head knock mm -hmm. you out right. actually um, that, you just reminded me we were we were listening to this album in the car uh -huh. um a little while ago and we both remarked that um the the confidence the band yes. displays is almost bordering on arrogance yes. actually yeah. gabriel's confident with this this is a band that sounds together and that you know Anthony Phillips is playing great on guitar. Mike, who played bass, you know, could barely play bass a year before recording this, is playing it really well. Oh, yeah. And again, he's 19, 20 years old. Gabriel's voice is there. Even John Mayhew, who, you know, they had issues with because he, I think that there was an interview with Tony where he said that he and Peter had to really kind of tell John what to play. I mean, once he got it, apparently he was yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Was it like a long learning curve for him? I think that he wasn't terribly creative in the in the parts. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't come up with the parts. He would basically be told what to do for the parts. Yeah. And but could do them, you know. But wasn't really. He wasn't the drummer like Phil, who would sit down, listen to the music, and say, "I've got a part that can go with that," and it would elevate the music mm -hmm. even more than they initially thought it was going to. So, you know, I think that's, I mean, John Mayhew gets a bad rap because he's followed by Phil Collins. Yeah, that's <laughs> and anybody, you know, followed by Phil suck, Collins really. is yeah. going, to be, going to be a rough... I think when I, when I listen to Trespass, before, like, getting ready for this podcast, I would kind of be on John Mayhew's side. I mean, because the only way thing I'd heard before was like, oh, they didn't like the way he played drums, let's, mm -hmm. let's get someone else. And I would listen to that album and be like... He plays drums fine. I, I never listened to Trespass and be like, oh my God, those drums suck. Yes. But then in doing some research for this, I realized that not only did they kind of have to walk him through what they wanted to play, but even he himself was not comfortable with his level of expertise. He didn't start, he didn't pick up drumsticks until he was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So even when he was talking about playing on this album, he was like, I never felt really comfortable. They kind of had to, sh and mm -hmm. Peter or, yeah. or whoever did have to, had to show him what to do. And when he left and they kind of told him, you know, you're not in the band anymore, he kind of knew it was coming, but 
it was kind of made me sad when he said, "Yeah, there were tears." So you know, Aww. He, he, <laughs> well, I suppose when you're that age, you know, yeah. right, you're twenty years old. It's, falling, it's yeah. you know, it's an incredibly intense time, right. irrespective of being in a band. Oh, you know? sure. He spent and, a year with them yeah. recording, yeah. and then he, I think, he was somewhere else, and he was playing Trespass, or he heard someone playing Trespass. He said to them, "Oh yeah, uh, I played on that. That's me playing." Right. And like, and the other person was like, "Yeah, right." Right, because he was working as a carpenter yeah. and things. So, you know, when when John Mayhew died a couple of years ago, I mean, now it's been two thousand nine, or I think it was when he died. Um, Tony Banks actually wrote a very nice tribute to him that oh. was up on the website. That you know really said that you know he was he was part of the band, and you know when he was missing for many years, and this was I think. In, some interviews you know the band you know the management held on to his royalties you know it's not like they spent mm. them behind his back you know they and it wasn't i think he just didn't know he was do anything this is uh, this brings me around to actually a, a, a thing which would become a uh, a much more almost like an urban legend with with mm. genesis was that um they always looked after their own. Yes. You hear so many stories of, from like members of the crew saying yeah. it was a real pleasure to yeah. work with Genesis. They were always, you know, they, they didn't uh, take the piss right. out of our work schedules or anything right. like that. And um, Bill Bruver uh, talks about that in his book. Yeah, saying exactly. That touring yeah. with Genesis was different from any other touring experience he had ever had. He's like, because families were welcome. Yeah. That was a big yeah. change that was not the norm with other bands that he had been in. Even if it wasn't your own family, they were yeah. welcome. Right, exactly. <laughs> bring, bring different people. <laughs> Let's talk about the second track on the album, White Mountain. daughter of one eye i think i'm the authority on this, track. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, this is a great song this is one of my favorites on trespass i think this is the prog prototype mm -hmm. for italian prog <laughs> uh, specifically it's got kind of that you know the epic story uh kind of an operatic theme going on where there's a struggle and there's wolves and there's whistling and humming and it's loud and it's quiet and there's a lot going on in this track 
a lot of really cool instrumentation or sounds too. I love the beginning with the, I guess it's like really fast strumming of the guitars. What is that? This is like spaghetti western. Yeah, it's kind of like setting the stage type thing. And it's great. My favorite version of this song, though, um, is when they did it in 76 live. And I have, again, I always say this. I'm going to say it until they release it. (laughs) It's the Sierra Mosque Pittsburgh show in 76. This version of it, just they crush it. And... um, Really enjoy it because I think Phil does a great job with the vocals. But but Gabriel, you know, I think this is just right in his wheelhouse vocally as mm-hmm. well. And yeah, it's a fun song. Yeah. It's 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 so nerdy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Well, I think when uh, speaking of the song, when and your favorite, you know, Trick of the Tail era version yeah. of it, when the Musical Box did their version of Trick of the Tail. It seemed to be, you know, the overwhelming vibe from the crowd that the one song that everyone was like anticipating and waiting for was White Mountain because that's probably the one song that no one had ever heard live before who yeah. was in, in our generation. Like you, you've heard right. cover bands do Dance on a Volcano, Supper's Ready, right. all this, but no one had really heard White Mountain. So when that started, you, you hear everyone like, all right, let's quiet down. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is a good time. We're hearing White Mountain. We've never, ever heard this before. So it was kind of... That was like the one real moment of musical box I remember. It's like you got to hear this song that you'd never heard before. As great as it is, the intro by Mike is cringeworthy and I can't stand listening to it when he talks about finding this old record and it's got a wolf on it. Just, I think they were still experimenting with the pre, you know, the Gabriel era stories before songs. Sure. So like, like, let's give a story to Mike. Let's give a story to Tony. Let's give a story to, well, not Tony. Just be. like, ew, stop. Just, 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 just <laughs> play the song. Just play White Mountain. We don't have to hear about a scraggly old wolf. Yeah. And I was, it's funny, on, the, on this re-listen to the album, I was trying to, trying to figure out if, if the lyrics were actually trying to tell a human story through the metaphor of wolves. Or whether it was actually kind of supposed to be these kind of like Call of the Wild, Jack London wolves really having this big fight with each other. I decided it really didn't matter. You're thinking too much about it. I know, but but it was, uh, you know, it was kind of the line about the scepter held high and everything. I was like, wow, maybe this this is more of a metaphor for like human tribes fighting each other in different ways and again you, you can look into this and you know don't I, look into it they were 19 <laughs> sweetheart yeah, but, oh they were so, but they were so mythological about these they things they thought the Already. word scepter was cool yes. right. <laughs> that's gonna get me the lady right exactly so well you know that's can, I, can I ask yes. just a one question sure. about what you guys think but it, th- in listening to this album I thought that this is the one album which probably featured Peter playing more flute than maybe any other album on it. It did sound that way in a lot of places where he was actually kind of musically part of the band more than where it was just kind of tastes of things in later albums. Uh, but you're right, yeah, I think he def- there was definitely more flute running through this. And maybe that's part of Anthony Phillips's yeah. influence on there with more of the kind of pastoral 12-string, 6-string acoustic guitar in there it could have it, yeah. it just fit more with this and I know they're very different musically but whenever I hear one it always makes me think of the other in one section of the song with the whistling where oh, yeah. I always think of Intruder by Peter Gabriel do you know that's, I, a, I, that's a good point yeah. I hadn't thought of that and, I've, and it's uh, thank you <laughs> but it's uh, I always you know when I hear Intruder in this that whistling I'm like it reminds me of Trespass yeah. and, you know it's just 
one of these things that again those two songs were 10 years apart in time it's it's they're not even whistling the same melody or anything like that but just that added to this kind of whistling bit at the end i'm like oh <laughs> so the next one visions of angels Again, I, I still think this, this should have been the lead-off track. I don't know why. It's not a very powerful song, but it, it's a I think it's an incredibly catchy song. Yeah, it gets there, though, with the power in the chorus, I think. You know, there's definite, you know, emotion and, you know, power behind there. It's definitely, you know, this is like Aunt Phillips all through and through, which oh, is yes. great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, he is, you know, sometimes not forgotten about in Genesis lore, uh, but is... You know, has was basically on two albums, and then you have the classic five-man lineup. So that does overshadow his contribution. But I think that there's always the what Tony says and what other people say uh, when they talk about this album was that you know Ant leaving was probably the biggest departure that they had to deal with mm-hmm. because he was so core to the writing and so core to the sound of what they were doing at that point. You listen to an album like Geese and the Ghost, and it's like Trespass Part Two. And you really see what Anthony Phillips brought to the table when you listen to his solo career. Is um, are there actually uh, clear delineations with with the writing at this point? This was uh, uh, Rutherford and and Phillips that would write together, and, uh, and Banks and Gabriel. Banks and Gabriel would write. And I think there was this is probably the album where there started to be a bit more overlap with that. Right. Yeah. Um, where they started to kind of throw more ideas into the mix and see saw what came out. Um, Is there any evidence to suggest that Anthony Phillips was really driving this particular song? I think he wrote. I think this is the song he wrote about Gabriel's wife. The plot thickens. But that was, you know, that Phillips was writing this about, you know, about Jill, whatever her maiden name was. But that was, you know, Gabriel's first wife. Which when this is actually a song that was they did a, and I guess the tape has never surfaced, but they did a version of this for from Genesis to Revelation. Really? Yeah. So you think that that was in '68 when they recorded that? This is in '70. You know, 
Phelps had been pining away for her for two years. Uh, who it's knows interesting what though that they have on? a they have a long history of plundering their back sort of like catalogue of, oh, sure. of material and tape. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But it's funny you should say that because it kind of bears out what I believe about this is that this kind of should have really have appeared mm-hmm. on Genesis to Revelation. Sure, this has a, a, the feel to it and kind of the you know the quieter verses building up to these kind of epic choruses that they were very good at writing even back then. Yeah, that was my, my you know, the, the overwhelming thing that I pull out of this track is I feel like this is the first, this is really the first time we hear that classic Genesis song formula. So it's like a quiet, melodic verse, then a big wall sound chorus, right. and then an instrumental, like, bridge part. Like, that is the Genesis formula. And I can, you know, I've said this to Simon many times, um... Any, you, you throw any band at me, I'll tell you what their Genesis song is. Because every band <laughs> okay. copies this formula for at least one song on mm-hmm. some album. Um, and, you know, I love it. It's even here. And it's very interesting. Like you said that this was more of an Ant song. So yeah. it's almost like Ant's influence is really strong oh, in them, sure. if that's the case. Right. Because this kind of, that formula, which is, you know, ingrained in the song, they really do, I feel they do, carry it on throughout their whole career as a band well there was there was a story that was uh, i read in an interview and i forget if it was mike's wife or a friend of mike or aunt's that aunt was staying over after he left genesis he was staying over at rutherford's house or maybe mike was over at aunt's house i forget what it was and this guest kind of saw anthony playing 12 string guitar that was lying around and you know was doing something with their back turned and while their back was turned mike kind of came along and kind of and had put the guitar down Mike picked it up and started playing and was almost indistinguishable like the styles of the two of them and how they were playing because they the two of them had played together for so long that their their writing and their playing styles were were almost identical and I think that you know because Mike did continue to have a friendship a relationship and a playing relationship with Ant through the early 70s that influence of Ant was probably continually continually felt in the band by Mike and Mike putting that out there I think you can hear it yeah you can definitely hear it throughout the 70s I mean I think it tends to fade as as Tony Banks holds more sway but um well when they stop using acoustic guitars as much I think yeah I mean but I, I think if you if you go to uh uh, for example, um, solo albums like Small Creeps Day, yeah. you can hear the ant influence re-establishing sure. itself in right. that and some of those exactly. tunes. And he's playing keyboards on that album exactly. too. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's and and Mike brought him in for a reason because he like I mean, a he's a friend, but also because there's that connection musically there. I mean, it's it's very developed for Trespass, and it's you know it's a full, you know, thought out, written out track. I think it was it was the only holdover from from Genesis to Revelation. So it was the only one that kind of went back and revisited. And I think Ann had said that he was disappointed it wasn't included in the first album. So I think he was very excited that they decided to revisit it and kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Um, And it was also kind of, when you listen to Peter Gabriel's vocals, he was doing auto-tune before it was cool to do (laughs) auto-tune. You hear his voice, it's got that little kind of echoey reverb on it. It track. gives it a that I love that vocal effect. It gives it that kind of and then the piano um, melody line that goes through. It gives it a kind of like a dark underbelly mm-hmm. to the songs. It's like visions of angels and there's ahs and oohs and 
then Gabriel comes in with this kind of creepster, you know, echoey voice, and it, it, it gives it much more weight, in my it opinion, to the song. Too. Yeah, it makes yeah. it sound older. It, it's just really cool. Again, going back to I said earlier, they're like so open to experimenting at this point with the different sounds and techniques and effects and anything I think that was in front of them they could use. They used it and. This is an example of you know a great use of that. I think this is the one song where they 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 only repeat the opening passage at the end as a refrain, don't they? Am I right in thinking that? Does that does that just yeah. appears at the start and again at, at the, the end? end? Is that right? Sure. That sounds about so, right. Yeah. yeah. We now go from back in the days of vinyl onto the first track of side two, stagnation. It's the first one for me that is, you know, we talked about, you know, this being, you know, kind of the template for maybe certain progressive bands with White Mountain. Mm -hmm. Stagnation for me is the template for Genesis. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of saying this is what it's about. In the middle, it's the first track on this album that gives shivers down my spine. Mm -hmm. And with, I'll tell you exactly the moment, it's, it's Tony's uh, kind of, organ solo in the middle where it starts yes. out with this slow kind of build up to it up to you know the full band coming in uh it's it kills me every time i listen to it and it's just like you know it, even just talking about it now it's like oh <laughs> let me get your tissue i know i know yeah. so yeah, it's not for my eyes uh, but, the, but it's it's just a great track and you know it's it, it ends a little abruptly for me, but it's it's perfect in the middle, so I forgive it for that. Well, so. I, I think I agree with Mike. Anytime I think of Tony's organ, it just really... <laughs> <laughs> Here's if a I, tissue. If, yes. I remember, if I remember correctly, um, he achieved that sort of pitch bend by turning off the organ. Oh, really? And that was actually one of the things which uh, he, he mentioned uh, in an interview. Because I was often very curious about that. Being a, being a musician, I was going, well, how... How on earth was he getting that sound? And this is, a, again, this is one of the things which I think um, Tony Banks never really gets enough kudos for, which is 
he's an amazingly good sound designer. Yes. He's constantly experimenting with with the with what's possible right. to create with re, with regards to the you know his palette of sounds and yeah. and he had the presence of mind. Who does you know yeah. to go? Oh, if you turn it off, it goes down in pitch, and then you get that warble as it comes yeah. back up. And that and that solo that in the middle of stagnation mm-hmm. is is perfectly constructed for that song. It's again, you know, he always talks about his keyboard solos not being just solos, oh, I'll play whatever feels like over here in the moment. It's a composed solo that he plays, probably plays the same time every time he would do that. Um, it has the, the flute line that comes in at the end that was reprised for many years, you know, in I Know What I Like during the kind of instrumental jammy section in the middle there, which again, I think that every Genesis fan, when they listen to Seconds Out, and you're hearing that, and maybe if you hadn't heard Trespass yet, and you start then make... I, I remember the the time where I was listening to Seconds Out, and I had had it for years probably, and it finally clicked for me that, that melody sounds familiar and I know what I like. What is that? It's, it's, on, oh, it's somewhere on Trespass. What is that? And going back and finding it, and you're like, oh my God, they're referencing these songs in here, which... I didn't know, and and it just adds a whole other level of appreciation that in the in 1977 they were doing nods to their past that not everybody got at the moment, I know. but those people who've been around since Trespass were like, there you have it, that's good. So, I think that there's uh, one other thing I wanted to make sure was which is the uh, you were talking about uh, the link between uh, um, the whistles. Oh sure. One of the other things I always thought was uh, funny, we were remarking on this a little bit earlier, is the fact that it makes a reference of uh, of sitting down and, ah. ne- and needing a drink. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we were just sort of like talking about um, the fact that uh, there are only two songs in which uh, um, the, ly- the the vocalist tells you to sit down. There's this, and there's Home by the Sea. Sure. <laughs> there's a connection to all these songs. It's all there's, interconnected. Yes, they they. I'm sure that you know there's a doctoral dissertation out there waiting <laughs> to be written. That's about all the connections between Genesis lyrics and music and all that. Yeah, so. and I'm just thinking, somebody get Gabriel a damn glass of water. Lots <laughs> of drink. That drink. I know. I've never heard of such an impassioned plea for <laughs> fluids <laughs> before. Oh. Hey, Vance, I'm parched. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because it, it kind of does have the Genesis template of like the longer proggy songs, but those templates when you hear like songs like Ripples or other songs that will have like. A little intro, then verse, cho- verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, mm-hmm. and then do a long instrumental part, and then come back and revisit the chorus and verse. Done s- Gabriel's done singing less than a minute into the song. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right then, they go into a three-minute instrumental, which was even kind of odd for them. They, I don't think yeah, they yeah, revisited right. that kind of template before, but it's one that kind of like you're like, okay, I'll do this little bit of singing, and then they just really go for it with the with the instrumental, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of regret with because it's such a classic. That you get true Genesis fans think about is one song that I've never seen live, no. even with tribute bands. Mm-hmm. They've never played it live. Right. Like, you think, well, maybe the music box would have done like an early Gabriel error concert, but no, like, it, this is one song that I've never ever seen live by anybody cover band, yeah. Genesis. Yeah. It's pretty powerful to play it live. I mean, it would be <laughs> pretty awesome, the audience, yeah. yeah, everybody would go and, crazy. And these guys were writing lyrics again at 19 and 20 that, you know, again, Maybe it's it's a little bit you know pretentious in certain ways, but you know, and I will wait forever beside the silent mirror and fish for bitter minnows amongst the weeds and slimy water, and thinking that 
that's going to be the lyrics of our music. And that's what we're going to sing to. You know, I, I think these are Gabriel lyrics. I'm not 100% sure of that. Anybody else know for sure? I think um, any time you hear the word slimy, that's Gabriel. <laughs> it always needs to be slimy and shimmery. A lot of groups are trying to do it. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're doing, yeah. Slimy, bitter minnows. And it's just such, it's the type of thing that you listen to it. And I think that as when I was getting into this band, it was lyrics like this that were, you know, old before their time, that when you're younger, you want to be older. And for the people who, you know, get into wistful music and kind of yearning music in this way, mm. you know, this is what connected with me. Even, you know, when I first heard this, you know, 15 years after the album was released, probably, maybe even longer than that. But it was, it's what really worked. And it's easy to kind of jump to the knife and say, yeah, that's the cool song on this album. But, you know, there's so much here that's really, that's really solid. And I, I'm guessing that this is probably a, a Banks composition. I think musically, yeah. I think this yeah. is probably a Gabriel Banks mm-hmm. kind of composition. Maybe he even wrote some of the lyrics to it, too. I don't know for sure. It so. is interesting, sort of like the juxtaposition. you got the visions of angels, sort of yeah. like... Uh, uh, twelve stringy yeah, with a slightly right. poppy yeah, edge, yeah, yeah. and then you've yeah. got this very deep and um, mm-hmm. misty kind of sort of. You know, I, I, when I listen to this track, it almost feels like you're walking through the fog. You're gonna make a very evocative video for this song. Yeah, that has nothing to do with the lyrics, but just something you know, walking through London on a foggy day by the Thames. When I first got the album Trespass, I listened to on repeat. I didn't really listen to all the other songs right. that much. I just, I just clicked with this instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, the first 30 seconds, I feel like I'm holding an armful of puppies on a rainbow. It's just so beautiful and warm and fuzzy. And and then it, then it goes, it turns. And, and I've heard Gabriel coin this as a journey song. Yes. And you do. You feel like you're kind of going down this path. And first it's bright and sunny and warm. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gets a little darker and shader and cooler. And I love it. And as I said earlier, you know, this, this album... And particularly looking for someone is, you know, more book report, less mm-hmm. uh, book in that, you know, it's it's their heads down and they're focusing on, you know, composition more than evoking any emotions and evoking, <laughs> Ev- evoking. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let her slide. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one beer. Um, weird. So no. And, and but this song is different. This is and I think that's why I played it on repeat and I wasn't. Mm-hmm connecting with the other tracks when I first got the album because this, you know, gravity and just really, you know, I connected with it and it's beautiful. I love it. I love that the band, you know, in, in interviews, they, they, they have fond memories of the song. They, they, you know, to them, it's one of their favorites on the album. And I think it's mm-hmm. a fan favorite as well. I'm sure we'll find out. I'm just reading my, my, my notes for the song as I wrote Stagnation. Epic song. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have to say. Period. That's a good I think, summary. Yeah, I think I... That, that works. <laughs> so we'll move on to Dusk. Stroke love 
Do you know, this song is actually, I think this is a really underrated song. I really like this song, mm-hmm. and it's not because of, uh, of, of the fact that it, it's considered to be a classic song. It's a personal thing for me. Um, this album, it, I, I have a co-writer, a guy called Rob Ramsey, who writes a lot of lyrics. This album is his favourite Genesis album. Oh, okay. This is his favourite out of all of them. And that caused me to look at it again. Okay. You know, when someone you respect says mm-hmm. they like something, you give it another look. And um, this is the, the the track which I really love. I think it's a very atmospheric song. It's not the greatest song they've ever written, but it, it does it for me. I think it, it, it hit home. It's a cool little song. It has these... I like the vocals in the, I mean, again, chorus, I'll call it. Mm. But although it's, again, it's not really a verse, chorus, verse, chorus type of song. It's a, it's a really neat little song that doesn't overstay its welcome. It's, you know, they, this was a short song that I think that they were good at kind of, it's not a pop song, certainly, mm. but it's a folk song, you know, that prod folk type of thing. So Yeah, I love how this sounds. And to your point, I think... So many, you know, listening to it to get ready for this show, I listened to it really carefully, and there's a lot of, like, subtle effects going on. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, for the year and their Mm -hmm. age and everything, you know, kind of coming together, it's, like, deceptively sophisticated. Um, You know, it's something that's complex, but it sounds simple. I think this song really is an example of Mm -hmm. that. Um, And... This is, of all the tracks on Trespass, this one has grown on me the most. Right. So, you know, going from, eh, to, yeah. That's the official <laughs> meter, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, and, and it does. And it, you know, I don't have that kind of emotional connection you do to it, Simon, but it, it, it definitely is more, of my, as, a, as a fan, an older fan now, um, connecting with it a lot more. Right. I can't help but think, because I've watched the Behind the Music special a thousand times, <laughs> every time it gets to the line in the song, the captain stands alone, I think of a shot of Peter Gabriel and they're talking about him leaving the band. The captain stands alone. <laughs> and like they talk, and then Gabriel left. <laughs> I have a, a memory when I was a sophomore in college, and as far as I know, this was nineteen fall of 1990, as far as, you know, no internet yet or anything like that. As far as I knew, I was the only person who knew Genesis' back catalog in the entire world. <laughs> Even not them, they didn't know it. So I'm walking down the hall of our new sophomore dorm, and I hear Trespass coming out of a room down the hall. And oh I was God. like, oh my God, I found my brethren. So I knock on the door enthusiastically, and he opens the door. I'm like, you're looking at Trespass. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, are we going to be best friends now? Right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, jerk. <laughs> And he's now your so, mortal enemy. Now mortal enemy. I condemn you if you're listening. <laughs> uh, I like this song. It's a little song. And it reminds me of later Harlequin. Thing. Oh, yeah. It's a song yeah. of that type of you know sound. You know, short song, like simple lyrics, but beautiful lyrics. It also has one of, I think, one of the best segues between one track and another. Yes. I mean, I it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing... <laughs> Look at my notes! Stacey loves her empty space. I love here, it. So. <laughs> it. I mean, that lovely bit where you've got the interplay between the, the bottom note of a piano and mm-hmm. the, the, those strumming of the, uh, the chords... It's almost like a Spanish kind of sort of oh, like yeah, strum. Beautiful. At the end. Um, yeah, the it's a, it, that's an incredibly unusual and, and very evocative end, I think. Yes. It's almost got that last piano note like a day in the life. Yeah. Almost that, yeah. that same kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And then 
instead of lingering on and just cussing to the knife. Well, I think this is a statement song of what's to come. This is the last song of the album, and along with Stagnation, I think they are the best two more like yeah. sounding like, like the future genesis that we will all know later in the next albums. But I think it's rock and roll, you know, electric guitars, keyboards, drum, flute, everything at the same time. It's, it's musically more complex than the other songs more worked on because some of the other songs you might think oh they are like kind of unfinished or mm, maybe the end like looking for someone the beginning is great and then some people said oh the ending is kind mm. of mm. but i think uh, the knife is is the knife <laughs> but and it's, and it's showing you know after the an album's five tracks worth an album's worth of you know pastoral pastoral type sounds mm. you know yes yeah, some energy here and there this is showing that yes we can uh, we, we can rock out and kind of really put a statement out there that's not just about goblins and wistfulness you know we'll you know we'll kill you also that's what it comes down to this is this is you know a, a song about beheading people and about you know being part of a violent overthrow of government and which, can I, just, can I was going to say, can we just make mention to the album cover at this yes, point? Yes, exactly, yeah. because the album has the big knife going all the way from the front to the back through it. Uh, kind of, again, a very pastoral, you know, very evocative of Greek myth or something on here. Um, and then there's a big knife slashing through it. So again, a violent act that when something is complete, you slash through it, which the knife does musically for the album. Well, it's such a it, it's an example of a song that I love to play for kind of marginal Genesis fans who know them at, like for that's all or invisible touch. I'm like, listen to the knife. Listen to how hard they can be. Yeah. It's kind of like for marginal Queen fans. I say, listen to Queen two. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. listen to the second side of Queen two. I mean, it'll blow your mind that this is the same band that has stretched through decades and right. has such a a, sc- a scope of music that they can start off so early with such hard stuff and I see their faces like this is Genesis I'm like yeah "Yeah." and you can use the musical box for that too but the musical box takes a while to get to that level Mm -hmm. and I think is even better than the knife because of that but I think you're right I mean this is something that's showing Genesis rocking 
And this is the first track. There's like an electric guitar solo, yeah, right? Exactly. So, you know, I'm waiting for Aunt Phillips to release a metal album. <laughs> yeah. He did such a great job. He has it in there. Somewhere. I'm waiting. Yes. I'm here. Just do it. And yeah, I think it's great. Um, I, I love the solo, and I do. I love the energy. Yeah. I, I love the organ sound. I love any song that has that kind of organ sound. I'm like, yeah. I'm a big fan. That and hand claps. I have a thing for. I don't know. In a song. Oh, if, if only yeah. that was in. If the, only they had hand claps the in hand the life too. Oh it would God. be perfect, um, but it's a it, it's great. It's a I know like we were talking about it was played live a lot because yeah. it, it has that energy and like after the it's a trespass is a he said it's very uh, it's technical it's beautiful there's you know a lot going on and then finally like knife we're gonna just rock out yeah. you know and it's a great way to end the album yeah almost like a live show itself right so, yeah. in in many ways um, I also want to comment on Gabriel's Billy Goat impression uh, towards the end <laughs> some of you are going to die <laughs> I cannot listen to that part without cracking up it just makes me laugh right can you do that again That's good. some of you are going to one of the other things I, I, I wanted to mention is how do, how do people react uh, with regards like the version that's on Genesis Live mm. I, I like the live version actually I think it uh, pretty much really yeah. the live yeah. version slower to me Okay, you know, I haven't listened to the Genesis Live version recently enough to really compare that version. I think I really like the versions Genesis did later on where they kind of cut out the middle section mm-hmm. because when Phil was singing it, because it generally, it, it tightened up the song for me and it gave it, it was a great encore number. Well, Is it better than the album version as a song? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but I think as a live version at the end of a concert, give me that one. Uh, for the live version... Was that reg- to me? And maybe this is why it sounds slower. It sounds like there's nobody in the audience. Like I would imagine, <laughs> if you're playing that song and you know you're rocking your balls out, like yeah. there would be some like crowd noise or there's there would be some energy in around it. Some when I listen, or something. Yeah, I, yeah, when I hear it, it <laughs> sounds like they're playing to an empty room, and I don't know if that's the the, the recording technology yeah. of the day. Or the fact that they were afraid to record in front of an audience. <laughs> I know they'd done video. Remember they did that, land, uh, not the lamb, the um, Selling England. Oh, yeah. That rec- was, the uh, Shepperton thing. Yeah, yeah, there sure, was sure. nobody in the audience. You could feel that. You could tell when you were yeah. listening. And it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes live albums, you know, especially of that era, don't really capture a live feel to it. And Genesis Live, I mean, yeah. it was recorded for a radio show, so I think that it oh, wasn't. Maybe, yeah. yeah, it was for King Biscuit here nervous. in the U.S. So, I, and I think that it wasn't necessarily kind of looking to get the best crowd noise from that disc. Uh, I think the remix sounds a little bit better, you know, uh, that was done back when the, when they reissued the live albums in mm-hmm. two thousand and ten or whenever that was. Uh, but it just, you know, I, I think the arrangement is better. I think Phil on drums to it. There's a little part in the middle on, on Genesis Live where it's a little funkiness to it. That oh, the whistle? Isn't in the, yeah, and they the jump whistle. up. Oh, yeah. yeah, the whistle. And it's kind of a almost like a like an off-time drum part to it that works out well. I think, you know, Steve solos in it as, as well as, you know, Anthony Phillips did. But, you know, I, I've never heard Anthony Phillips live do this, so I can't really compare this. And I hope you're listening. We yes. want to hear you do this live. Yeah, come on over. We'll, <laughs> we'll give you your guitar here in the, at the tabletop and let you show us how it's done. So that brings us to the end of this album. Uh, we're going to talk about the bonus tracks, but before we jump into those, any kind of concluding thoughts just about this album? 
my personal opinion is is that I think this is the Anthony Phillips album and it's a great swan song. Love. Thinking about, you know, 19, 20-year-old Genesis, you know, full of determination, they're full of idealism, Mm -hmm. they're full of, you know, energy and enthusiasm for the fact that they're recording an album on their own terms um, for the first time and not giving a fuck about what people think about what they sound like. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That that continued throughout all their entire career, just not giving about anything. <laughs> and that's what I love. And I love that, you know, Trespass was the start of that. Yeah. I think it's, it's um, I think that it's funny. You're talking about kind of the a, a more established, more mature band, and I, except for the lyrics and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think it's very much in their heads. You yes. know, they're, they're not connect, looking, they're, Expressing what's in themselves, but not thinking, how can I make this? Well, they haven't experienced anything yet. They're so young, so they have to go on what they've read about. Right. This is an album full of aspiration rather than experience. Yes. Right. Right. Thank you for translating. (laughs) No, that's a good summary. Not that anybody directly wants to experience a white wolf, you know. (laughs) Right. Excuse me. (laughs) Don't talk about my father that way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So let's talk about before we get to Tom's poll. Let's talk about our favorite track on the album. So who wants to say theirs first? Simon. Knife. <laughs> there you go. Stacy. Stagnation. Tom. It's a tough one just because of the, the feelings I get from each song, but I would say if I had to pick one that I'd be happy to listen to over and over again, I'd... Equivocate. Equivocate. Stagnive. Stagnive angel. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably go with the knife. Well, again, for me, it's, it's a tough one again because uh, I, I love a lot of the songs. But I have to, if I had to choose only one, I would go to for looking for someone. Ooh. I would. For a change. I, I would go with stagnation. It just gives me what I need from that music, and it just touches me in in a good way. A rainbow going through you. A rainbow. I'm holding the puppies and the they're puppies oh, on a rainbow. It's fantastic. So, Tom. So, how is the pole looking? Tom his well, thanks you for asking about my poll. Here's my poll actually was pretty large this week, and I, I appreciate everyone who took part and handled my poll. This is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> How many bad metaphors can we come up with? Oh, well, we just got started. I, 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 thank yes. you all for taking part uh, and in, in this poll for the last uh, remaining weeks that it's been open. But it was a clear winner, although it was a very tight race for one and two, and the first two choices far outweighed the rest of the song. Sure. So the winner with a 37% stake of the vote was Stagnation. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought the knife was going to come out. <laughs> the knife was number two with 30% of the vote. All right. So it was really? the 37 to 30. Okay. They took the, I mean, that's yeah. 67% of the votes went to those two songs. Right. Uh, coming in three was looking for someone. Okay, I don't all think right. that's bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, oh, I chose the war song. No, no, no. no. Uh, tied for the next place was White Mountain and Visions of Angels. Right. And rounding out, the one that got the least amount of votes was Dusk. Oh. See, I like oh, Dusk, but it yeah. wouldn't have been my favorite. But oh. I, I, could, I could see that that, made, that that lineup made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the votes, they were right in. So they said, screw Simon, I hate Dusk. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, talking about the bonus tracks on the album now, there's on the Archive One box set, there's a demo of Dusk. 
Um, uh, yeah, do you know, funny enough, that was yeah. one of the uh, the ones I, I, I actually only heard it today. Right. Which has got this sort of like long, sort of Beach Boys esque sort of like. Sort of, yeah, exactly, at the start of it. Yeah, it has this the vocal bit at the end that's different. It has the flute part at the end for about two minutes yeah. just very repetitive that obviously is kind of a guide there saying hey we'll do something else with this and then they decided we just won't have that at all <laughs> so I think it's it's an interesting track and an interesting kind of window into kind of their writing process even at a young age I, I have nothing really to add because I don't like listening to band tempos really? <laughs> no just no. because just because I just don't care. I don't, oh, you know, I want to hear the final version. And, and you know, I, I guess maybe as a listener, I'm not that interested in the process of the songwriting okay. and I'm not a songwriter. So any of the demos, I'm... Yeah, you're kind nah. of... Yeah. So, now with demos, like the next song that I had written down here is Let Us Now Make Love, which is on the box set also. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just unreleased. So are you right. interested in that? Oh, yeah, that, that okay. is, a, you know, I'm totally interested because it's a complete thought. Right. Um, and, you know, you never know if, if a song is cut for, you know, space or timing and for what, or political reasons within right. the band. So, yeah. you know, if they took the time to record it, mix mm-hmm. it, and, you know, complete that thought, if you will, uh, you the know, least you I'll just do it. The least <laughs> I can do is, you know, give yeah. it a lesson. Yeah. No. I really um, like this song. I think it's a, it's a neat, it's it has that trespass feel to mm-hmm. it and i think it's pretty solidly an aunt phillips song mm-hmm. that you know it's he has this wistful melancholy that you know again works for me on a lot of different levels the but, uh, i think uh not just an ant song we're talking about let us now make yeah, love i yeah. think well it gets it was co-written by yoda let's <laughs> now make love <laughs> <laughs> and if you listen to that track I'm nothing against the guys, but if you listen to that track and the lyrics, none of them had gotten laid by the time they wrote that song. <laughs> it's so obvious it's that it's very none romantic. Of them had it was about the ambition. What the ambition? It was potential oh. of making love. I know, and yeah. that's why I wanted it to be our the first dance at our wedding. Um, oh. it, I got vetoed. Please. There's actually a nice just piano version on one of Ant's albums that oh. he just does this on piano really? with no singing. But it's actually a nice That's nice an improvement. It's <laughs> a nice arrangement. I've gotten laid since I wrote this song. So I don't need to sing it now. <laughs> so if it, if it hadn't have appeared on the B-side, would this just have been locked away in a vault somewhere then? Yeah, well, it wasn't even a B-side. It was just on the... Well, it was locked away until 96 when the archive... Uh, 98 when the archive came wow, out. Okay. So, you know, it was one of those titles that I think that had been talked about that people knew existed... But it wasn't a um, a track that was on anything else. Uh, although the piano version may have been on Ant's album before the archive came out. I forget the exact oh, okay, timeline yeah, of that. Enough. So again, you know, Ant, Ant has put out these private parts and pieces albums that you know has have old pieces of music that go that do date back to that Genesis time frame, or he's recorded things since then that he said, "Oh, Mike and I wrote this back in." 1970, but I recorded this in 79. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you get those versions of things. So. And this song, Anthony Phillips sings some la- some of the lines. I mean, right. Does he really? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say exactly how much does Anthony chorus. Phillips' vocals figure on the album as, as a whole. He, I think he and Tony and Peter are the main yeah. singers on 
trespass. I think the mic is probably there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, John Mayhew is given credits for vocals, so I'm sure he's in there somewhere also. Um, but I think, you know, Ant has that kind of higher, delicate voice that's, uh, you know, a little bit different than, you know, even Tony's voice. <laughs> we could talk about uh, Going Out to Get You, with, uh, which was the kind of up song that was recorded for single release, but was never actually... They never actually did anything. Was that another one of the uh, the tracks that was uh, um, left over from from Genesis to Revelation, or was this was this recorded? No, I think it was recorded. I think it was recorded after. It was more of a Trespass era recording, but wasn't used. Uh, it was another song they played live. They played it live up into '72 or so. There's really? some some versions of bootlegs. There's a version from Rome that I have. It ends up being more of a kind of stretch out jammy type of song with that kind of riff of you know genesis had these riffs that they knew they wanted to do something with it but sometimes never quite figure out what yeah, they wanted to do yeah. with it and those were the songs that ended up not getting to the album yet. and uh, it, i find it ironic that peter sings i can guarantee no pain when he sounds like he's in pain. <laughs> 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 can guarantee no pain <laughs> It's just, it's tough to get through that first verse because he's, just, sense of humor. he's screeching for, the, for those yeah. notes. And... There's Passity, which didn't really do much for me. Yeah. Uh, That's the one I like the most. All right. That's the one Stacy likes the most. Sorry, I'm dealing with our dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the sixth member of the table. The sixth member, is... yeah, Dora, which you obviously sometimes do hear yes. stalking about in the background. Yes, it's you not, it's not my toenails making that noise. <laughs> 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 Yeah, this is Ant's song, the 12-string guitar sound. Oh, shoot. She's got the popcorn. Um, (laughs) All right, I'll talk really quickly. Um, Passity, it is my favorite of this era, like this collection of uh, demos and outtakes or whatever we're calling them, of extra tracks. Then we have the mythical Jackson tapes that were talked about for years until they actually turned up, and they were released on the uh, 70-75 box set. As bonus tracks. Uh, We've been listening to them for a long time without knowing. <laughs> right. Because right. we broke it down. I, uh, I jotted down the, the sources. There were four of these tracks. They called them Provocation, Frustration, Manipulation, and Resignation. And weren't these part of, uh, if we could just back up, These were part, this was part of a TV show? They were used four, for something? They were going to be in a documentary that never ended up happening. Oh, okay. Uh, and there Is was that why it's called Jackson? A painter named Michael Jackson. So, oh, that's right, yes. it was! Which is interesting because there's a modern day kind of modern artist who's in England who's named Phil Collins. That's right. And so I think yeah. it's funny that there's, you know, these names that keep coming up in different ways. But but yeah, Provocation had uh, parts of Fountain of Samosas. Masses. I think Masses. I decided it was Salamama Dada. Exactly, Fountain of Salami. Salami. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> looking for someone in there. Frustration was basically an early version of Anyway for the first half right. off of the Lamb. Um, and those were the two that had vocals to them. And Gabriel's very apologetic in the liner notes for the Green Box, saying that uh, the vocals are not very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, they don't fit at all. Yeah. Woman. Woman. <laughs> Slimy. Maybe she's just, maybe just pointing out the window going, right. woman. Woman, yeah. Yeah. woman. I like lamp. <laughs> the third track is uh, Manipulation, which is a big chunk of musical box. And Resignation was one that the intro to it reminded me of an Ant Phillips song that I don't know what it is. These were all recorded pre-Trespass. 
I think there's a, a section during one of those tunes where he does say something about it being no fun being an illegal alien. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, it's they all it all keeps coming back in different ways. So well, there, yeah. there's a bit of the segment called manipulation where they do they open it with a little bit of the musical box, which I think they called F sharp back then. Yep. Yeah. And then it goes into like this kind of version of what I call the cuckoo clock section, wow. musical box. And it sounds very cool, almost like I wish they could have used that in the real musical box. So these were all ideas that like, they were kind of like the germ of their ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you, because you're like the only real musician here, like how do you know <laughs> is a finished song, you're like, I'm done. And then you finish it and you're like, oh no, I could have added this or could have done that. It's when the deadline is due. I remember um, a very specifically uh, an interview, I think it was Tony Banks that was, was talking about it. He said, there have been entire swathes of Genesis music which we've forgotten yeah. overnight from right. one bit which we all thought, this is great. And when we went back in the next morning, we went, oh, how did that go again? Mm-hmm. And I suspect that there's probably a, a multitude of mundane reasons why some things don't get put into a song. Sometimes one day it works for you, sometimes it doesn't. Tony even talked about in interviews that, you know, that they would have these, these kind of resources of old material that they just knew wasn't right for things. He talked about, I think, for Tri- on Trick of the Tail and Madman Moon were two songs that he had written in 1970. That he was just like, ah, they're not really right for, for this album. They're not really right for Nursery Crime, Tr- Fox Trot, whatever. And then it seemed like the right time with Phil as the singer and, you know, using mm-hmm. it for uh, Trick of the Tail at that point. So, you know, musicians, I think, have, you know both recorded or you know demo versions or earlier versions of things that they kind of keep in their back pocket at different times and sometimes when you need material you think oh maybe that old material will work which that's that's what i like about the the demos and these alternate versions is seeing you know almost the the alternate album that trespass could have been they could have had pacity they could have had shepherd they could have had going out to get you let us now make love that's an entirely different album than what we got I think they made the right choice. I agree. No, no, I agree with you. But I think that, you know, it's it's something that the songs that they had on Trespass had a character to them. And that's something that Genesis talked about continually throughout the entire career. That, oh, that piece had real character to it. I think also Tenya has a part to play mm-hmm. in all of this when uh, an album has been around for as long as it has mm-hmm. you tend to expect one track after another right. and, and the, the thought of it not being in that order doesn't right. make it an album any longer no, I agree now, I was going to say that even though Trespass is considered the first real prog Genesis sound album I think they were still in transition I think they yeah. weren't ready for yeah. Musical Box or Fountain right. of Romances right. so it wasn't the time as you said right. like, they had to let it sink in a little yeah. longer yeah, sink in. and if yeah. Ant had stayed and and if they had still, like, they got rid of John Mayhew because Ant left. If Ant had stayed, would John Mayhew still have disappeared? Mm-hmm. The, the alternate histories that you can have with Anthony Phillips still being in Genesis, with or without Phil Collins. Well, there's a the story, alternate. isn't it, a little bit further down about Phil Collins. For a while, he was considering auditioning for Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you know, before, this was before... He was in Genesis, and you know all the musicians back then would go to the same bars, and you know we John Anderson said, "Come down and check things out." And I think at that point, Bill ended. There was Bruford was talking about going to university, ended up not going, so he didn't end up leaving. But 
You know, Phil could have been in Yes. So. We could have been Tabletop Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. No, we would have been Toolshed Yes, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, well, thanks for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis about our one of our, <laughs> I was going to say favorite albums, but, you know, I think they're all favorite albums. It's a significant you know. one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's something that I think as we've talked about it, I know that I've, you know, grown to appreciate it a bit more. Uh, so thank you for listening. So we're going to sign off now. Thanks for listening. This has been Tom Roche. This is Stacy. This is Simon. This is Ellie. And this is Mike. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have the shows automatically and magically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis. And you can also email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.